Good morning. So good to see everyone this morning, and, and thank you for being here uh, in person and online. Are you just excited to be gathered back together? Yes. Amen. It's awesome. Yes, I, I, I tell you, it just it's, does my heart good to see all of you, and, and, uh, and I've been missing you a lot. And so it's so good that we have an opportunity to just come together, worship the Lord, and edify one another and be in fellowship with one another. So today, let's just take a moment to just think about where we are, what's going on. Maybe some of you say, I've been thinking too much. Anybody here say, I've just been thinking too much? And you just want to not have to think so much? And so as I was also thinking and praying and asking the Lord about what he would have me to share today and what he would speak to his people, his engrafted word that's able to save, deliver, and set free. The word that came to mind in the title is, The Heat is On. Anybody ever stood outside in the summer of Louisiana for about five minutes and felt some heat? Well, I, I checked the, the temperature today, and it's supposed to get up to 97 degrees. And this entire week is going to be in the 90s. And so when we think about that heat, you know, what comes to mind? Anybody got any thoughts that come to mind? Hell, hey, hey, man, that's right. <laughs> AC. And, and maybe a couple of more things that come to mind as we think about that heat. And so as I was thinking about that as well, I wanted to just really allow the Lord to speak to our heart about a few things. Because we can have a physical heat in this world that we feel we can also have a mental heat with the problems and the circumstances of the day and we can have a spiritual heat and so it's so important that we just take a moment to reflect on those things and so if you would uh, go ahead and pin in your bibles jeremiah the 17th chapter verse 7 and 8 as we think about this idea of the heat is on when we think about that physical heat, we can imagine the sun that wants to beat down on us, and all we want to do is get some shade. Our body can get weary and fatigue the more and more as we stand out in the heat. As we think about that mental heat from all the stresses of life circumstances, the job loss, the opposing opinions about many different things, it's an election year. Everybody's got an opinion. There's alarming news reports just about every day that can be this mental heat that frustrates us and that just weighs on us. But there's also that spiritual heat having to cultivate and press into our relationship with the Lord even when we're by ourselves. Maybe we haven't had a chance to have our small groups and our youth groups now men's and women's groups that edify one, each one another so well and we've just had to be at home and press in and there's been some spiritual heat or the lack thereof. You know, we've been challenged to be able to do that as effectively as we should. And we just so long to maybe be with our brother and sister, to be with our friend, to be with our neighbor so that we could edify one another, so that we could just get some of that spiritual infusion off of one another, get that excitement stirred up, and that we edify and lift one another up. And maybe some have done well, and maybe some of us would say that we haven't done so well. 
when it comes to our spiritual cultivating and pressing in to the Lord. And so as we look at Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, verse 7 and 8, I believe the prophet Jeremiah wants to share a few things with us that speaks to this very point that the heat is on, but we can trust in the Lord. Amen? We can trust in him. If you would read with me, 7 and 8 verse says this, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord's. For he shall be as a tree planted by waters, and that spreadeth out her, fruit, her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts mightily. Lord, help us to see you high and lifted up, to trust you all of our days. And when the heat is on, Father, that we would press in, that we would trust you in all things and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. Father, help us this day to trust you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. So let me share a little bit of the background here, what Jeremiah, uh, as he is the prophet that's speaking to the nation of Judah at this time. So the prophet Jeremiah begins to describe in this chapter the character and extent of Judah's sin. He started with a figure that emphasized the hardness and strength of Judah's rebellion against God. Look with me at verse 1 of this chapter. Look what he writes. He says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. So he's saying there that their sins were engraved deeply upon them that it had made an indelible mark on them, that it had caused to get down to the deep wood parts of their innermost being, as if written with an iron pen. Maybe we have some welders in here, and, and they would use iron to be, and heat up very hot to be able to write into stone and rock. And he also states with the point of a diamond, there was nothing superficial about their sinful state. They were steeped in sin. So much so that they felt like they could, there was no way out. That they were tied in bondage and broken. And maybe we've felt like that before. So he goes on to say, as we look at a little bit of commentary here on this very verse, Professor Kundo says this, a pen of iron was used for the cutting inscriptions in rock or stone. The point of the metaphor that he uses is not the hardness of the material that was used, but the indelible nature of what is written, the heat of sin. That how painful, how destructive it can be. Pastor Derek Kinder said this, trying to describe it a little bit more. He says, the people's heart has guilt, not only written all over it, but etched into their heart and engraved beyond erasing. 
And maybe we felt like that before, that the sins of our past, that they've been so etched and so deep inside that even though we may have come to Christ and we know that God has forgiven us of all of our sins, we still are plagued with that guilt. We still allow it to hold on to us. We still allow ourselves to go back into that thought, oh, wretched man that I am. When we receive the new nature in Christ, we are now a holy nation, a royal priesthood. But so often when we're in the heat of the situations, our mind can tell us all kind of things. Anybody ever been there? Can tell us how we're no good and we could never serve God in the fullness of our heart because of all of our past. And so we'll sit there and we'll, we'll be in anguish and destruction. And it'll feel like heat beaming down upon us. So Je- Jeremiah uses several metaphors to express the dryness of sin and guilt. See, it's like a hot, dry land. He's speaking of the Dead Sea. See, there is a place on earth that's hotter than Louisiana. Do y'all know that? (laughs) And one of the hottest places on earth is called the Dead Sea. That gets about 120 degrees Fahrenheit there. And the Dead Sea is on the uh, bank of Israel. And we know that the Dead Sea has, uh, it's a very salty area and salty land, so much so that it's 10 times saltier than the ocean. Just think about that, the, the buoyancy of, of salt, the, the thickness of salt. It has a density of 1.25 kilograms per liter, which means if you try to swim in it, what you're really doing is floating. You're not going to sink because it's so salt, salty, so dry. And it's very difficult for anything to grow there. And so Jeremiah gives this picture. He says that's just the way sin is, that it tries to dry us to the bone. It tries to suck out all the life that God so desires that we have in us. See, Jesus said, I come that you may have life and life more abundantly. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Not by the Dead Sea. Not by the works of man, but by me. So we've had some time to examine ourselves under this heat or pressure that we're talking about. Maybe we see it all around us. Maybe we see it in our home. Maybe we see it in ourselves from time to time, where there's this heat, this pressure, this sin that seems like it's chasing after us. And and so maybe you've had some questions in your mind. Do you ever get discouraged, depressed, or despondent? Do you ever find yourself in the grip of despair? Does fear ever possess you? Do you ever have doubts? Do you ever experience loneliness and the feeling that nobody understands? Do you ever feel at the end of your rope? 
So the results are in. You're human. And you're not alone. See, Jesus Christ was acquainted with all our sorrows. He was afflicted just like we, yet without sin. See, the heat of this world can have an effect on us, but it should not and shall not overcome or overtake us because we belong to him. Those scars are no longer deep within us because whom the Son is set free is free indeed. And God wants to heal us to the uttermost in every aspect of our life. See, John 16, says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's overcome. He's the great high king. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He is God. See, he replaces the engraved sin that once was in us. Professor Thompson said it this way, only when God wrote his law on his people's heart could obedience replace rebellion. See, God wrote his word on our heart. All the stain of sin and death that seemed to be so deep on the inside of us, God took his holy eraser and he engraved his word on our heart. So much so, David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so God is encouraging us. He's telling us to let him have his perfect work. Don't hold on to those things that are old, but press towards the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus, that that's no longer who you are, that you are now the people of God. See, the Bible says we are holy and righteous in his sight. See, we may have this fleshly body that we live in, and here it is. The heat is all around you, saints. Because it goes everywhere with you. But there's a cooling wind that comes from God. That when the heat is on, his Holy Spirit blows in. When the heat is on, there's water that flows like rivers from heaven. When the heat is on, we can hold on and not faint. Because he's going to bring in the morning. Just like he did with Jonah, he brought up the palm tree and cooled him in the day. He'll do it for you and I. So why does God still allow the heat to be on? You ever thought about that? See, because of that sin engraving that occurred on our heart and brought that guilt. And so often in this flesh, we lean on the past. So God has an purging effect that he wants to have with each and every one of us. So he says, work out your own soul salvation. 
What he's saying that is as he allowed these situations, as he allowed these trials to come in your life, allow him to work it out in you. Be willing to allow yourself to go through the press with God. And just like that washboard that my grandmother used to have and she used to wash her clothes to get them clean and cause that friction, God says he's allowing friction to clean us to the uttermost. That no longer that stain would be there, no longer that guilt because you see, he forgave them all. But there still, still may be some marks or some hurts that we deal with. Anybody in here identify with that? The residual effects. See, God wants to heal us of every one of them. See, look what First Peter 4, verse 12 and 13 says. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, to examine you, to see where you're at, and allow God to now walk with you through it. He goes on in, in verse 12 to say, And as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. What that means is as much as you share with Christ in his suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Think about it anyway. Did, has anybody, you've been out so much and you've just been hot and hot and sweaty and stinky and you feel like you're about to pass out? And you walk, and somebody walks up to you and brings you a nice, cool drink. You get that drink, and for me, my wife's going to bring me water. I, don't, I, I, I want her to bring me lemonade, Kool-Aid. She's going to bring me water. And she knows that she gives me that water before I went out and got heated up and, and tired and sweaty. I probably won't take it. I'm probably not going to drink it because I think it tastes nasty. But it's something about when I've been going through something, when it's hot and I'm tired and sweaty, when she hands me that water, there's great joy. Somehow my perspective about water changes. God is saying, allow our perspective to change. Because when we get to the point of we've gone through it and he hands us that water from heaven, there's great, great joy, exceeding joy. That he doesn't allow us to go through the heat to, to tear us down, but to lift us up, to remind us of how good he is and how he's cleansed us from all un righteousness and to truly understand the destructive nature of sin that we say that within our heart of hearts I don't want to have anything else to do with that that's not who I am that's not who God's called me to be I'm his righteous I hate it 
we just want that exceeding joy. So the question for us is, are we comfortably covered up by a form of godliness, or are we uncomfortably hungering and thirsting after righteousness? See, the hunger and thirst after righteousness is not going to be comfortable. It's going to require us to strain and press. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, I press towards the mark that there's going to be some heat, that there's going to be some friction, that there's going to be some trials that's going to try to keep me from receiving the well-flowing water of God. And so I don't want to be comfortably covered up with a form of godliness, but I want to be uncomfortably hungering and thirsting after his righteousness. See, Jesus even challenged the disciples with this. He said, let me tell you all the things you must suffer for my name's sake. He went on. He also questioned their time with, with him. He said, have you not been with me so long? Have you not discerned life and death? Have you not discerned the goodness of God? said, allow yourself to be uncomfortably hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And God will overflow you. So we tend to have three focus points when the heat is on. The first focus point that we have is that we focus on the heat. We look at the sun and it's blinding and we become disorientated. And we can see that sin all around us. And before you know it, we can't see the way, the truth, and the life. We know it's there, but we're so focused on that heat. We're so focused on that sun. We're so focused on that sin that it encaps us and it grabs us. And that's the only thing that we can think about. See, when this is our focus, we can't see anything else. And we become consumed and discouraged. Our second focus point is we focus on ourselves in the heat. Maybe we say, I need to do something. I need relief. I can't. I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough. But God reminds us with his word that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We even begin asking questions we already know the answer to. Why is it so hot? Come on, we in Louisiana. (laughs) Why is this happening to me? When this is our focus point, we trust in ourselves, our others' human abilities. Maybe we trusted President Trump to get us out of this situation that our country's in. He is not the answer. The Democratic Party is not the answer. 
Congress and legislation is not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. See, Jeremiah said in chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, he says, Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man, and make it flesh his arm, his protection, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. See, that word heath there in the desert is talking about a shrub. It's called a aurora tree. And this aurora tree is right there in the Dead Sea Scrolls where it's hot desert where everything just looks like it's dead. And there's a people there that are called the Bedouins. They are nomadic Arabs of the desert. They are wandering in the desert. They call this tree the cursed lemon or the Sodom apple because it grows in the desert salt land that surrounds the Dead Sea where Sodom and Gomorrah once were. A people who trusted in themselves, who wanted to satisfy their flesh. And we know the story that a great destruction came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. According to their legends, when God destroyed Sodom, he cursed the fruit of this tree also. So when we focus on trusting in ourselves, it's literally like we brought a curse upon ourselves. Because we're trusting in dead man's works. Interestingly, the cursed tree looks very healthy as if it has survived even hard times and still has done well in life. Think about it. When opened, the fruit makes a sound. And it is hollow, filled with webs and dust and a dry pit. See, if we're not careful, we can look healthy on the outside and full of webs and dust and dry on the inside. When we try to be comfortably in our form of godliness instead of uncomfortably hungering and thirsting after his righteousness. The person who trusts in man rather than in God will experience a dry, unproductive, and lonely existence. Like a dwarf Jennifer of the desert, the salty land lacked fertility and life and is observable to this day around the Dead Sea. Like life has been taken out of it. Of course, such people may flourish for a season, but over a lifetime, they normally wither. And then there was a third focus, and a most important focus. 
if we focus on and trust in the Lord through every heat. Look again what Jeremiah said in verse 7 and 8. See, when we focus, when we make the Lord our focus, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present, his hope rests our minds. His rule rules over our soul. And he abides in our heart. So much so that we are blessed beyond our understanding. Verse 7, blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river. See, he was referencing the book of songs and how the songs is a song of praise. And just as we were singing songs today and we were reminding ourselves of how good the Lord is. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Maybe Jeremiah had read Psalms a time or two. And he was reminded of how good it is to trust in the Lord. That as the heat comes down and it beats against that house. And it seems like it's just going to cause a great destruction. Our trust in the Lord is secure. See, most of us don't understand how we could not see the heat coming as we see in the scripture. Look what it says in verse 8. And shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. It's because we are focused on the sun, S-O-N, and not S-U-N which does not blind but gives sight, which does not make us weary but renews our strength, which does not burden with guilt and shame but has made us free, free indeed. For when we keep our eyes on the sun, S-O-N, we are given the water of God that flows like rivers of water. And the heat comes. And we're quenched. Even in the midst of great trials. We have a God that loves us so much. That he keeps us cool in the day. And comforts us at night. And it's not because of our abilities, but it's all because of him. And he asks us to trust him, to press in. Don't allow ourselves to get deterred by the heat. 
that as we keep our eyes focused on him, the things in the world will keep raging. The things in the world will keep crumbling. But as we see in Psalms 91, a thousand may fall at my left hand, 10,000 at my right, but it shall not come nigh our dwelling place because we dwell in the Lord. Amen? He's good. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. The heat may be on, but we trust in him. Amen.